Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Today's episode is sponsored by Clock, the Corporate Legal Operations Consortium, the go-to organization for information about legal operations and connections to the best legal operations professionals in the business. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guest is on the cutting edge of legal department management, creating, implementing, and developing some of the industry's most innovative policies, procedures, and tools. He came to his role at a Fortune 200 fashion powerhouse from NetApp, where he managed legal operations and litigation across the enterprise. Prior to joining NetApp, he was a partner at K&L Gates, the head of legal operations at The Gap. Mike Haven, welcome to Left Foot. Thanks so much, Nicole. It's great to be here. Great to have you as a guest on our program, Mike. Let's jump into the questions. Which personal strengths or habits have allowed you to successfully transition from your role as a partner at K&L Gates to legal operations specifically? Nicole, first and foremost, I think it's a growth mindset. The role is relatively new and is changing at an insane pace. To be successful, you have to know what you do not know and continue to learn, solicit feedback, and build your toolbox. A fundamental focus is to identify necessary change and manage through it. You have to be able to roll with the punches, the failures, and stay willing to take risks, knowing that that's the only way to move forward. So it's a constant focus on staying ahead of the industry and blazing the trails despite the setbacks. You also have to be entrepreneurial. So my situation is a good example, having come into a very mature legal department that never had an operations director. My job is to assess and in some cases reinvent processes that have been placed for, in place for many years to look at things in a new and creative way And I don't use this word with my colleagues, but you have to be disruptive. The the ability to, to be disruptive without making people run away from you is an important skill. So it's a delicate balance between aggressive and reticent change management. Lastly, it's been very helpful that I formerly was a big law partner. My years as a litigator helped me hone the art of the courageous conversation. Those are key to law firm relationships and just being transparent. Our outside partners also know that I've been there and done that and understand their point of view. So that adds credibility and I'm able to convey how certain change initiatives are good for everybody involved, not just my legal department. Great points. I think there's some confusion in the industry. And I actually had someone from a large entity tell me that legal operations has been around for 20 years and this is not anything new, at least the way it's operating today. It's a newer space. How long has it in in its current form been part of in-house legal departments? And is there something different about the legal operations professionals of today versus those in the past? That's a very important question. And the answer to how long it's been around depends on how legal operations is defined. It really came into play around the turn of the century at the time of the dot bust, when all the dot-com companies were being formed and going crazy in IPOs, and then the bubble burst and a recession session hit, all of a sudden, company management started to 
pay a lot closer attention to how legal was spending its money. And it really started off with the financial institutions on the East Coast and the Silicon Valley companies on the West Coast. They started having to operate legal like a business within a business. There was a lot more attention being paid to how money was being spent. And that's when the modern day operations director emerged. And at first, it was really about spend management for the the better part of that decade. Then in 2008, when the Great Recession hit, it exploded even further and it became even more critical for legal organizations to do more with less. That's when we really started to see the tipping point and the role of the operations director expanded significantly. After that point, it wasn't just about spend management. It became more about being the right-hand person to the GC, the chief of staffs, helping to develop strategy, focusing more on partner relationships to make them more efficient, and also looking for ways to use technology in a more efficient way. And the technology component of it is really even more recent. The last five years or so, and then the last couple of years, it's exploded even further. It's so much ahead of us. The role is really expanding. And it was that 2008 change that really pushed legal operations to do more than monitor costs, look for a reduced rate, a lower hourly fee, and going from looking at the bills more closely to saying, let's change the bill or let's change the way we work together. It was a very interesting time. At that point, I was working for an actuarial firm. We went through the same process. We had never been put under that scrutiny with our clients. And the clients at that point started to really say, we need to look at our costs. From a personal perspective, in early 20. 2013, when I was looking to leave my partnership and go into an operations role, even at that time, I was told by my mentor, Connie Brenton, that it was a leap of faith because we didn't really know whether the field was going to continue to take off or not at that point. That was only four years ago. Between then and now, it's absolutely exploded. So it really is a recent role. The point you were making about legal tech being part of that. Legal tech has really said law firms, in-house legal, you can do these things without as many people, without having to hire a firm that has resources at all these different levels to do e-discovery and other review. There's options now. There's outsourcing. There's legal services outsourcing that is very efficient and can be a part of how you work with your law firms and how you manage your own legal work in-house, which is a great lead into the next question. There's this legal ecosystem now, whether it's the law firms presenting a legal ecosystem to you as a client or as an in-house department creating a legal ecosystem made up of many firms and legal tech providers and legal outsourcing. How have you managed those relationships? How are you looking to partner with either law firms or legal tech firms and or legal outsourcing firms today? Is that different than in the past? Is it something you spend a lot of your time on? You know, what does that look like as far as where that is in your role? That's fundamental to the role to create the strategy for developing an ecosystem. And I love that term because that's exactly what it is. It's the internal department. It is the outside law firms. It's the e-discovery vendors. It's the LSOs. And everybody involved has a key role in making the department run as efficiently as possible. And how you manage that and structure it is a critical component of the, the operations director's task. 
ask. I personally think that it depends on the department. It depends on how many inside lawyers you have. It depends on the business and the clients that you serve within the business. And the way that you structure it can vary depending on what company you're working for. There's really no silver bullet to it. And there's no one way is right and other ways are wrong. You have to be flexible and strategic and creative on how you put that together. In assembling those pieces, especially the pieces that work for your organization and for your legal department, for the businesses you serve, are there specific things you look for in those partners? Four or five things that you say, every partner that we work with is going to approach our relationship this way. What are those specifics? The baseline is competence and subject matter expertise. You have to be great at what you do just to get in the door. If I'm talking to you in the context of an RFP or a potential engagement or the possibility of becoming a part of our ecosystem, I already know that you're an excellent lawyer, service provider, or technology solution. That's a given. What I don't need to hear at that point is that your work will be great and you'll get the results we want. Everybody's going to say that if you're there. I have confidence in that already. What I'm really looking for is the above and beyond, flexibility, innovation, diversity, understanding of the metrics that are important to us. And is this someone we would enjoy being around? That's absolutely important too. Partners in our ecosystem need to be flexible with our internal processes. Uh, That includes finance processes, such as deadlines for invoices and accruals, our processes for new timekeepers and approving rates, flexibility with creative fee agreements, helping us manage our budget, uh, and the list goes on. And we like innovation and creativity a lot. If a potential outside partner comes to us with metrics that will help us pivot to improve the relationship for all involved, I'm on cloud nine. If a partner shows advanced project management capabilities that will help avoid administrative issues and let lawyers focus on the substance, I'm really impressed. It's rare, but the industry is starting to see it more and more. I think the bottom line is this. When we're making sourcing decisions, we look for outlier qualities. Most services are actually fungible as far as the quality of work goes, and getting the job done well is no longer enough. If you're not doing the things that make life easier operationally, in most cases, we'll find someone else equally competent in the practice area who will go the extra mile. One more thing, this pertains to lawyers, never, ever ask for an advanced conflict waiver. I don't care how big you are, it's inappropriate and unacceptable. I had to throw that in there. Have you had the opportunity to suggest to a law firm you're working with that they use a piece of technology that you're using in-house? Are there cases where your law firm is now using, say, a project management tool or a particular piece of technology that you recommended to them or that they recommended to you so that you're now in this relationship, you know, the tech vendor, the law firm, and your organization? Has that occurred? Yes, I think is becoming more and more common. Um, There are a variety of technologies out there that law firms and legal departments can use to work together more harmoniously. And also beyond technology, in terms of legal project management, I think that's something that's common and it's really helpful. Uh, There are legal service providers out there, uh, not in law firms, that can help law firms project manage their matters with their clients. And that's becoming something that's really interesting as well. 
Excellent. If you would share how the three organizations got together, what was that conversation like? What was the approach? Did it come to you and the gap through the technology vendor or the the legal project management organization? What were the circumstances that led you to really say, hey, we're going to go forward with this piece of technology and our law firm is going to go forward as well? You know, whether they had a choice or not is a whole nother thing. I think it starts with routine conversations, regular feedback in both directions about how the relationship is working and how it's not working. If you do that in a in a very business-like, friendly, amicable way, it's not unlike any other relationship you have with friends or spouses. Every once in a while, you just need to have a talk and figure something out. With the law firms, it's we're having billing issues with you. It's causing a lot of pain on both sides. You don't want to be dealing with billing issues. You want to be doing substantive legal work that you can bill for. We don't want to be dealing with billing issues because it's eating up resources that could be doing other things. How can we fix this? Oh, here's a solution. Maybe we can have this entity come in and do some legal project management. Here's how we can work together to pay for that. And this is all the time it's going to save us and the ROI is going to be X. It's just a business conversation that demonstrates to both sides how it's going to make things better. A good example I can give you is is something I call transparency technology. It's technology that allows the legal department to tap in to the law firm's internal billing system to view that client's matters in real time. For example, if I want to know what a firm billed on this matter yesterday, rather than calling somebody at the firm to ask, I can go into this technology and see, okay, these lawyers billed this much yesterday. That helps us out with budgeting. It helps us out with accruals. And it also helps us ensure that our firms are actually entering the time shortly after the work is done. Because if an outside lawyer waits two weeks or a month before they enter time into the system for the work they did, it's not going to be accurate and it's either going to hurt the firm or the client. It accomplishes those three goals. It's good for both sides. And it's something that uh, on its face, a firm would just cringe at, and, and they have cringed at in the past. But when you have a conversation and you talk about the pain points and you explain how this solution can help, they come around and, and understand. That's how things get done. And now a word from our sponsor. CLOCK, the Corporate Legal Operations Consortium, is a nonprofit organization of legal operations professionals providing education, the sharing of best practices, networking, and community. CLOCK is driving positive change across the corporate legal services ecosystem. Go to CLOCK.org, that's C-L-O-C.org, for information on the benefits of membership and the annual Corporate Legal Operations Institute great example. What was the pushback? Was there any pushback in that particular situation with the firms that you were saying, this is the way we're going to operate going forward? What was an argument against that, I guess, is is the question, because I can't imagine why they wouldn't do it outside of the fact that it's not a practice they've used in the past. I was one of the first people to start blazing that trail. I can tell you that they came up with every excuse in the book not to do it. Uh, I think it was something that really radical to them at first. How could we possibly allow 
our clients to be in our internal billing system, looking at our stuff before we've had a chance to scrub it, write certain things off. If an associate had gone crazy on a document review project and I'm not actually going to charge the client that much, how can I let them come in and see it before I've been able to take a look at it? Secure data security, a long list of issues they came up with to not do it. None of those issues were true concerns. It was more or less resistance to something that just had never been heard of before and was completely new and different and scary. Uh, for the firms in a lot of ways. We started with our top 20 law firms and told them this is what we wanted to do and this is why. And this was not only going to benefit us, but it's going to benefit you and this is how. And give it a shot and let's see how it works. You really see at that point which firms are flexible and innovative and which firms are set in their ways. Out of those top 20 firms, only one said no. I got on the phone with them and I said, well, if no is the answer, that's fine, but I don't think we're going to be able to work together anymore. They said, well, we've had a 10-year relationship. What are you talking about? And I said, this is the way the industry is going and we need you to be flexible and innovative. It turned out that they said, okay, well, how about this solution? Instead of billing hourly on our matters, because that specific technology was really all about looking for hourly billing. They said, why don't we put all of our matters on fixed fees? And we said, great, that would be an ideal result. And the way it turned out, it was an unintended consequence. With that firm, the relationship went on and it continued to be a great client relationship. And all of our matters from that point on were on fixed fees, which we love because that creates more efficiencies on both sides. It was an unintended consequence that worked out. Oftentimes that happens with change management. You anticipate a certain result, but another result comes around that's even better. I was going to ask you if there was an improvement process or a technology suggestion that came from the law firm side. Along the same lines, you got to an ultimate goal that may have been difficult for them to agree to by asking for better management of those hourly fees and the time by individual. Have you had that experience where a law firm has come to you and said, we want to help you manage your in-house legal budget more effectively, more efficiently? We're implementing this technology and we want you to also be using it on your side. That's the kind of thing that we're waiting for law firms to come around and start doing. We're waiting for them to start showing us metrics. It seems that usually it's us showing them our metrics, quantitative, qualitative metrics, billing compliance, staffing models, metrics that we're giving them to tell them how we think the relationship is going, but we're not getting a lot in return. And I think the clock conference, that was something that we directly asked the firms for, show us the metrics, show us something that will help improve the relationship on both sides so that we can understand each other better and work together better. It's an interesting time. And, and it was heard at the CLOCK conference that the law firms do need to be able to differentiate themselves. To your earlier point, there's a lot of good and great lawyers out there doing terrific work. And that is not a differentiator. These types of things, helping in-house legal departments become more efficient, suggesting technology that you could all use and work together in a more efficient manner, partnering, having the law firms partner, either creating low-cost centers themselves to do things that need to be done across the firm or partnering with others. And those are all big parts of, of what is happening in the industry today. Roger Meltzer from DLA Piper said at Legal Week, you know, I lead a legal ecosystem. I have more non-lawyers, technologists, data analysts, 
other people working for our law firm now than lawyers. There's something to be said for a leader who recognizes how important that is. Good lead into the next question. Mike, you've been in this space in your partnership responsibilities at KL Gates, you work at NetApp and now at the Gap. What is happening in the industry today that you didn't think would have happened? What's the most surprising thing to you that you never thought would take place that is taking place today? Such a tough question, Nicole. Everything has changed. What is the most crazy thing that's happening? I think it has to be the ability to leverage data to drive strategic decision-making. There is so much, with the prominence of e-billing now, there is so much data that we have at our fingertips. And the ability, the technologies that are out there and, and the processes that are in place to mine that data, slice and dice it, and figure out exactly where the holes in our strategic models are and correct them is just amazing. In terms of right sourcing specific kinds of work, looking both at our internal staffing and our outside partnerships and determining whether we're putting the right people in the right places, leveraging our resources in the appropriate ways and finding efficiencies there. That is an incredible way to do more with less, which is exactly what our leadership wants us to do. So for me right now, that's something that I've just find amazing. And I think it's just going to get better and better as, as AI starts to come into the picture. And we're going to see more and more ability to leverage the data that we have and make ourselves better because of it. It's a great point. I mean, the data is so significant. I'm sure you met Dan Yee from the Department of Justice at the CLOCK conference. He talked about a number of things that they're doing to look at outcomes, different legal decisions. I've heard that from other guests as well. Alan Bryan from Walmart said something similar. We're asking each law firm to present three outcomes, and then we'll pick the outcome, not always based on price. Mike, the lawyers that are in-house at The Gap, are they open to all this change? Do you find that they are approaching this as an opportunity to do their work in a way that's more efficient and more effective? How much pushback are you getting? And if they are open, is it going as far as they're open to using different law firms, different lawyers, different models? What kind of feedback are you getting? Keep in mind that I've been at Gap for nine months and it is a very mature legal department that never had an operations director before. And people love to work here. So there are people who have been here 15, 20 years in this legal department. Over that period of time, they establish ways of getting things done. And I come in as the first operations director with the full support of our GC, who actually wants me to look at all the different processes and see how we can find efficiencies. It can be pretty tough to get people to come off of their old habits and start doing things differently. Am I getting a lot of pushback? I would say no. Uh, I think people, they understand that this is the way the world is, is moving and these are all very progressive people here and they're open to change. Actually managing that change process has been a challenge so far and we've gotten a lot done. My approach is to do it delicately. It's to set priorities, get some quick wins, establish credibility, show them that the change is not that hard and that it works and that it makes their life easier, and do some things that are obvious wins, such as taking invoice review 
out of their hands and putting it into a dedicated invoice reviewer to ensure compliance with our outside counsel policies and procedures, which now actually allows us not only to take that work off their plate that they hate doing anyway, but also to be able to enforce those policies and procedures, because when they're in the hands of the lawyers, they're likely to say, oh, they didn't comply with this particular provision. I'm just going to let it slide this time or every time. Instead, it's in the hands of somebody that actually is going to enforce those provisions, which not only frees up resources for our team, but also makes our processes run more efficiently because forcing compliance with the guidelines. That's just an example. It's a great example. And I've heard that it also protects the lawyer's relationship with the law firm because they're not the ones negotiating or going back and saying, this is the business arrangement we've established. And we've noted that you're not adhering to this billing practice. I think it somewhat protects that relationship, which I think can be a huge win for your department if it's not the lawyer having to go back and say, hey, we've never charged you for this in the last 10 years, but we need to now. If it's someone else saying, hey, we haven't charged you. The law firms, if they're a good partner, they understand. It's just not something that the relationship attorney within the department wants to have to deal with. You know, They want to deal with the substantive work that they're supposed to be working on with the outside partner. And that's what they should be doing, to have somebody else in here managing the administrative logistics that nobody else wants to deal with is a win for everybody. You mentioned AFAs or fixed fees earlier. Is the goal to do more fixed fee type work? If that is the goal, how successful have you been? Yeah, I'm, I'm always looking at creative billing arrangements. The reality is that the mentality primarily on the law firm side, needs to change before that can be something that that is across the board. What you run into is lawyers looking at fixed fee agreements, for example, trying to determine whether they, quote, made money off of it by comparing it to what they would have made if they were charging on an hourly basis. And that's just not something that should be done, in my view. If you're going to charge a fixed fee, you need to put a value on the service as a whole and not think about hourly rates, not think about what you would have made on the matter if you would have billed hourly. Find other ways to be more efficient. Find other ways to do the work more quickly and with higher quality. Those are the things they should be focusing on. That being said, we are finding creative fee arrangements with our firm's value-based fee arrangements and doing some pretty cool stuff in terms of long-term partnerships and how those fees are structured. I think progress is being made, but we have a long way to go in terms of changing the mindset. I'm glad you brought up the word value. We hear that all the time. We often hear that the higher priced legal partner saying, I can handle this matter in so much less time because of my experience. And because of that, I need to charge a higher rate, whether that be fixed fee or hourly. And it makes sense because there's high value in what they're doing. Someone said to me recently, if we could find the person who can really define value in a way that translates really well, they have a big career ahead of them. How can we determine the value and then all work from there? There are lawyers who have been working with Gap for 20 years. They understand our business and their advice 
is invaluable because of that. And they may work for 10 minutes on something, but it may be worth a whole lot to us. So it goes both ways. I don't think it's fair for highly valued lawyers to be paid almost nothing because they're so efficient. That was one of the things that actually bothered me about being a law firm partner was that I didn't feel that efficiency was rewarded well enough. That was something that I wanted to try to change, which is one of the reasons why I came into legal operations. No, fantastic. And having that experience, looking at billable hours, we, we actually see that in the business development side. We hear a lot that there are partners at all different levels that are putting a number of hours in the business development category. And how effective is it? Are they actually doing business development? The successful ones are doing some. Others are just logging hours in the business development category. It's an interesting dynamic when you're rewarded for billing more hours. To your point, efficiency is not rewarded in some cases. Similar to what's gone on in healthcare. Mike, not all of our legal operations folks that we have come on left foot have come out of the law firm environment, and definitely not many that have come from a partnership position to legal ops. I'm interested to hear what you enjoy most about your role in legal operations. I love that I am on the forefront of changing a an enormous industry that has been in such dire need of change. It's a very traditional industry that for many, many years was stuck in in some pretty archaic ways. The last five years have seen a tremendous amount of change in the industry and being a part of that and having the opportunity to be the one with the scissors cutting the trail, incredible opportunity and it's so much fun. No day is the same. We're constantly doing new things all the time and being out there talking to people about how we can improve the legal industry for companies, law firms, vends, everybody in the ecosystem. We're not just changing a legal department within a company. We're changing an industry. I'm encouraged to go out and talk and do things like this that get the word out. And I can't wait to see what happens in the next five years. It really is exciting. Mike, we appreciate you sharing your thoughts with our listeners. Any last points you'd like to share before we say goodbye? Let's keep fighting the good fight. Unicol also are a key part of the ecosystem. You're, you're helping to spread the word about what we're doing. And you know, at the clock conference, it was so great because we had a lot of law firms and vendors there listening to presentations and participating in presentations about what we're doing to change and improve the industry. And having them there listening and paying attention and asking questions and taking notes and then following up after the presentation they're saying this is great i never really understood why we were doing these things this is this is great to hear i'm going to take this back to my firm and we're going to see what we can do about being more communicative and helping to provide metrics and having better relationships that was just outstanding and something that showed a lot of progress over the last year or two even. The fact that you're doing these things and there are people from law firms out there listening is a huge service to the industry as a whole and and it's much appreciated. Thank you for saying that because I feel part of giving legal operations a voice. It's been an exciting journey for me. I'm enjoying it immensely. Mike, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Likewise, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. For information on our podcast, our 12-session business development challenge, and our online business development coursework, visit leftfoot.com. It takes focus and thought to lead with the left foot. Until next time.